Well, good day, everybody. Welcome to our most recent podcast. My name is David Irvin, and this is the podcast on conversations with authentic leaders. For those of you who have been listening to some of my previous podcasts, you know that uh, one of the great privileges in my work is that I meet some remarkable leaders and some incredible human beings. And I just love hearing their stories. I'm, I love stories, and I love to hear how do people develop and get to where they are to make the kind of impact that they're making in the world. And I just want to hear stories and, and shine a light on what I call extraordinary action by ordinary people and people who wouldn't necessarily see themselves as extraordinary leaders but are viewed by others as having these kind of qualities of being able to really make an impact in the world. And I'm a difference maker to difference makers. So I am privileged today to have a difference maker in a conversation today. And I'm going to introduce Allie Stone, who is absolutely a remarkable human being and has made a tremendous difference in her business. And I want to just share a little bit about her bio, and I just want to share her bio and her background so that you get a sense of who Allie is. Um, in, in my words, but uh, I'll, I'll have Allie introduce herself in a minute. Allie Stone has always been drawn to the hospitality industry. It's, it's what she grew up doing, so that when her and her husband, Chris, took a risk on themselves and bought their first restaurant at the age of 25, it was no surprise. That restaurant in South Edmonton continues to be one of the flagship locations for the original Joe's brand. With their restaurants and years of experiences to draw from, Allie recognized that there was a better path to leadership and team development in restaurants than was being used anywhere else. The hospitality industry for any of you who know this, has long been known for its grueling hours, low pay, unfair labor practices, and high turnover. And Allie set out to change all that. Anchoring their culture around a core purpose to take care of people became the lightning rod for which all decisions would pass through, and it transformed the group of 15 restaurants that she is now in charge of. The restaurants Allie leads today boast the lowest team turnover rates in the North America restaurant market. Allie is a coach, a mentor, and a leader to many of today's leaders in Edmonton. Taking care of people became much bigger and than merely looking after the teams and the guests. For more than a decade now, Allie has spearheaded community events that have made a real difference. She has taken what started out as a very small community five-kilometer fun run and turned it into the third largest fundraiser of all time for the Canadian Cystic Fibrosis Society. She has been instrumental in engaging in the original Joe's Heart Cart a unique food truck that takes care of people in the community through recognition and gratitude for their actions that make the world a better place. So, Ali, i got to tell you, it is such a privilege to have you join us today in this conversation about authentic leaders. Welcome. Well, thank you, David. I, I think I'd like to start off by saying I'm, I'm very honored um, to be able to get to talk with you today and... Uh, Yes, just honored to get to spend time with you. Uh, very, very much love what you do as well. So, so thank you. <laughs> well, we're going to have fun in this conversation. <laughs> so you have to tell us just a little bit about in your words. I mean, I use my words here to give you this bio, but <laughs> what are in your words? What does this work of running restaurants, what does it mean to be a leader, just speak to us about what your passion is about this and about what how you see leadership today. Sure. Sounds good. Um, well, I mean, the base basic of it is that I'm a partner in the Original Joe's uh, franchises in northern Alberta. 
Um, so we kind of have our pocket. It's a, it's a really um, big franchise. There's quite a few locations, and we have um, sister concepts or sister brands. So um, there's the state and main brand, and then there's also Elephant and Castle. Um, so the brand within those three concepts reaches across Canada and into the United States, um, but our kind of area is northern Alberta. Uh, I've been with the company for almost 14 years now, <laughs> so it's been a long time, um, and I would say the biggest part of uh, my position or what I do these days is driving culture. Um, I just have a massive passion for leadership and culture in business, and I, I have this really uh, big belief that um, we spend a lot of time at work, and it's to me that the time that we spend at work is meaningful and it's impactful and yeah it's just always been a vision for me to create a place where uh, our team members can live their lives out in a positive way um you know i want to be able to share with them the importance of service and contribution and, and our core purpose statement as you said that taking care of people uh really helps uh amplify that or exemplify that for them and for that for us that's not just like a statement on a wall um we really really try to live that every day and i try to intentionally live that way every day so um i would also say that over the years this belief or idea has formed into something like a lot deeper for me you know as we grow as leaders things morph <laughs> and uh for me it's all about living and leading now from the spaces of my heart um, and I really believe that it's where all the beauty of life lives. And I think that when we can be there and when I can be there and I'm, I'm just at my best and I'm just the happiest I can be as a leader. So I really strive to be there as much as I can. So, I, I mean, you're in the restaurant business, but you're not really in the restaurant business. Like you're, <laughs> you're in the people business. Absolutely. You're yeah. about building community and making a workplace, a really engaging, fun, worthwhile come to come a worthwhile place to come to work in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What it's it's extremely important. <laughs> talk about the importance of people because you know, as I as I read in this bio, it isn't just about making money. In fact, I think you know I, I mean you would have a whole philosophy about that. Because you have been hugely successful from a business perspective. But it isn't but but you I don't think that you really strive to be successful at a business perspective. You you strive to bring value to people. Do you want to talk about your philosophy about that? Yeah. I uh I strive to be successful or I it's my vision or my hope for everybody that is a part of our team that we can be successful in life. <laughs> I think money is a byproduct of success. Um, if you go into life and you're trying to make money, I mean, obviously we all need money to survive. <laughs> That's very important. Um, but if we go in and our only drive is money, um, then our intentions aren't in the right place and they're not in that space of the heart that I was talking about. And I think, um, I think there's this really cool opportunity in the restaurant industry, and I, I know your daughter works in the restaurant industry too, so you know a little bit about this, and you could probably speak to it. But um, it's, it's brutal. Like it's totally brutal. <laughs> it's brutal, but it's so cool, David. It's it's our youth. It's 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 our it's our next generation of youth coming up and entering the workforce and we're having these experiences with these people and we're sharing with them the depths of life that they might not have learned for a really long time learning about service and contribution and what it's like to like be honest and live and lead from your heart and it's just like this totally fulfilling experience that we have right now uh, with our teams so um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> can, you, can you talk about how, well, first of all, what your commitment is to young people particularly? Because I've, I imagine most of your staff are in, in a younger generation. And that mm-hmm. your commitment and passion to that and your vision around that and how you build a culture around engaging your staff. Can you just speak to that for a few minutes? For sure. Um, 
<laughs> well, uh, it's challenging as I get older. <laughs> I, I always say uh, that my team keeps me young, <laughs> which I think is amazing. I think they're actually going to keep me young for the rest of my life, and I love that. Um, it's challenging. Uh, they don't grow at the same pace as me. Um, new generations come in. I mean, there's been all this talk about millennials and um, a lot of negative negativity around millennials. And I would have to challenge people on that because I think millennials have brought us this amazing new vantage point <laughs> from a business perspective. Um, I would say that these young uh, new team members teach me more a lot of times than I can teach them. And I really just try to be open to that um, and try to take as much as I can and bring that and bleed that back into our culture so that it's a place that's, like, safe and nurturing and fun for them to be a part of and grow into. Does that kind of answer that question? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And are there particular culture, culture practices? I mean, we could spend the whole day talking about how you build an engaged, aligned, committed, accountable culture. But can you give us a snapshot? Is there a short story for, or a short answer, and maybe it's a long story, but a short answer about how you build a culture? And what are, some, what are just one or two key practices that you do that before we talk about the, your own development as, a, as an authentic mm-hmm. leader? Okay. Uh, well, it's not about... I was thinking about this morning before I got on the phone with you, and it's not about always this, like, happy, fun moment or uh, experiences. It's about almost being, almost parenting, (laughs) if I could use that word without being their parent. (laughs) It's about being very real and being very accountable and, uh, having them understand what accountability is. Now, we can still have a lot of fun in that, um, but there's some very uh, amazing things that have happened out of accountability uh, with our teams and uh, them in turn coming to us and being extremely accountable for their actions. Um, and I also think we've been really lucky with culture. I would say that too. <laughs> um, we we love it. Uh, so my husband and I are partnered in these restaurants, and uh, so we've done a lot of this together. And so when I say we, that's kind of who I'm talking about. And uh, it, it, we've been, yeah, we we're super passionate. And when you're passionate about something, it just it kind of flows, you know. And I'm sure you can probably articulate that a little bit better than I can. Um, but uh, he, he came up with this idea a few years ago to build a heart cart. You talked about that in the bio. Um, and really what we did was we built a food truck that was we decided was going to be a community vehicle. And the only way we were going to use this food truck was to take care of people who take care of people. And it's an internal thing. So our, our teams come up with the idea. Our team members come to us and say, hey, I know this person that works at Little Warriors and works there day in and day out and takes care of these kids. Can we take the heart card out and feed these people? And we do that. Um, and this is like this really cool opportunity that's super internal but also very external to like give back this feeling of service and contribution and that truly, truly taking care of people piece. So we've been, I will say we're really lucky to have that uh, piece as well in our culture. So as you know, Allie, a big central part of my work is authenticity. And at the core of authenticity is being accountable. And I think that there's a misnomer around authenticity, that if we're going to build authentic places, we have to help people find their passion and their gifts. And that's all part of it, is to align our passion and our gifts. But frankly, it can become narcissistic if, it's, if, it, if we think that authenticity, which is a mistaken notion of authenticity, is all about us, and it's all about, mm-hmm. making, it's, it's all about making our staff happy, and it's all about serving them, that's a part of it. But you have also reminded us that authenticity is about, it's not about self-serving, it's about service, it's about giving, it's about being community-minded and teaching our staff how to engage in the service of others and if it's not serving in my mind it's not authentic 
it, it has to come full circles with finding your gifts, but then taking those gifts and being service-minded. I'm wondering if you could speak to that for a minute about your experience with that. Yeah, it's funny because service has always been a word, right, in our industry. <laughs> I mean, yes. we're, we're, we're servers. <laughs> um, yeah, servant leadership is one of the most integral pieces that I think any leader can learn. And like you said, it's not... Yeah, there's this big accountability piece to it, and when it when it clicks for you, and when you understand that when you have that hard conversation with somebody, or you're not afraid to um, hold people accountable to your actions, they in turn <laughs> come to a place where they're not afraid to hold you accountable to your actions. I feel like that's when the real magic happens. I feel like that's when teams click. That's when the beauty of it all happens, and you just have this like amazing flow in your workplace, and it's like. It's like a dance. <laughs> well, it's a partnership. It's a partnership, isn't it? Because yes. they hold you accountable, you hold them accountable. It's not holding it over them. It's something uh-huh. you co-create and build together. This is what I've noticed with you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I, uh, I think I said this, but I feel like they teach me more <laughs> every day. You know, I'll have people approach me and be like, oh, you, I love, you know, I'm so appreciative of what you taught me back then, or I've always held on to this, and I always think, oh my gosh, like, the experiences that I've had with you have changed my life. They've shaped me as a leader, and like, I probably don't say that enough to these people, right? And, and they're kind of um, looking to me, but I'm always looking to them, and it's such a reciprocal relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does, and you know, I always say authenticity is a lot like beauty. Like, you can't, you know, it's like going into a museum and then you come out and you've experienced this beauty or you've met a beautiful person on the inside and the outside. And someone says, well, articulate what it is that makes this person or this experience or this piece of art beautiful. And you just kind of have to say, well, you know what? Like, trying to describe it actually diminishes the experience. You just have to say, well, you just kind of go experience it so i would encourage you if you're listening in on this podcast to experience in anywhere in northern alberta in edmonton north go in and experience the culture of an original joe's and get a taste of what we're really trying to talk about because you have created a remarkable experience there but i think you you create a remarkable experience for your staff so that they can then in turn create a remarkable experience for the customer right yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the ultimate goal. <laughs> but uh, for me, as a leader, they're my they're my guest. The team is my guest, right? <laughs> so I, I that's how I visualize things. I'm taking care of them in the hopes that they understand what that means and how I take care of them. Then resonates as to how they take care of the guest, right? And this is so. not a, a leadership technique or a program. This is a philosophy of your life. It's how you live. Yes. And I always say <laughs> yeah, that's what sure. authenticity is. It's who you are. It's not, it's not necessarily the tools that you use, although those tools can be useful. It's just who you are. So on that note, Allie, I have to find out a little bit more about what made you who you are. This is what I'm passionate about. How did you get to this point in your life? And I always say, when, when I take leaders away for four days and we, we really clarify, what are some defining moments that have made you who you are today? What would you say would be a, maybe a, a couple of key defining moments or experiences of really coming to grips with who you are as a person that actually at the time might have felt like hell that you went through? In retrospect, in in time's perspective, as you look back, it actually helped shape you and craft you into who you are today. Are, are there some defining moments that you can speak to in your development growing up? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had a lot of face-down moments, if that's the word we're going to use. That's a great um, word. It's a face-down <laughs> moment where it's messy. How would you dis- – first of all, how would you dis- – define a face-down moment? Oh, it's messy. It's messy. (laughs) Takes you a little while to see the other side of it, right? Um, And what's it like in the moment? When you're face-down, can you articulate what that's like? Oh, it's maybe... 
you know, I've heard you talk about um, the dark side or the shadow. Um, I think sometimes you end up there because uh, sometimes it's hard to see your way out. Um, but I think uh, if we can find that place in our heart, at some point in our face-down moments, we find our way through it, right? But it's it's hard. Um, when your heart yeah. breaks, your heart yeah. has an opportunity to open. And it in does. that, because yeah. I see you could not build the kind of culture you have today without an open heart. So can you share with us some of those maybe key experiences you may have had in your life, my friend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure I can. So I think for me, I, again, many FaceTime moments, probably a long journey, <laughs> lots of mistakes. I think I fumbled a lot. Um, now, I did not uh, come from any kind of education. I have a high school diploma I've learned to um, run businesses and be a leader of my own accord. <laughs> so you can imagine I've had a few face-down moments, for sure. Um, but I think a major one for me um, was actually, it was a little bit more personal, but I was a victim of sexual abuse when I was 17 or 18. It's hard to recall my age now. Um, but luckily, I feel like I was older at that time. And I was in a position to talk about it. So um, I felt like when it happened, I would kind of bounce back and get through it and uh, try to put on the strong face. And it totally ruined me. (laughs) It took me down for years. Um, I walked in a really dark place for a really long time. And I remember, it's only in hindsight, right? It's always in hindsight that you can look back and be like, oh, this is, that was so crazy. Um, But I really didn't like the person that I was then, looking back. You know, I felt like I had lost faith in all humanity, and I think um, anybody else who's listening who's been through an experience like that can resonate with that feeling. But it caused me to be very skeptical and untrusting, which is the complete polar opposite (laughs) of what we started talking about today, right? Um, And the reason I think that, uh, like, mentioning this experience as part of the journey um, is important because it's like it's so integral to where how I got to where I am now. Um, but again, I was reflecting a little this morning before we got on the phone, and I was just thinking uh, one of my favorite quotes. I have a couple favorites, but one of my most favorites is Marianne Williamson said, "Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light." And I think I discovered that light more and more every day, (laughs) for sure. Um, At some point, it all came together for me. And one of the most incredible things that came out of that experience for me is that I've realized that this life is so incredibly beautiful. And I live every day, or I try to live every day, uh, with as much gratitude for my life, for the people, the relationships, and the experiences that I have. Um, and it's just opened up like an entire new world for me. So um, I think that the experience of tra- surviving like a traumatic situation like that taught me a lot of lessons. Um, but one that really stuck with me, I think, was like probably the only way out is through. <laughs> and that's a leadership lesson I've carried through. Um for me, and this is for me, and I don't want to um, categorize all humans, but for me, I have a tendency to run and hide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure a few other people might put their hand up right now <laughs> when something hard comes along. And, and um, I think uh, when I learned the reward or uh, what you got out of facing your challenges head on and, and what the universe showed me that we could get from that, um, I just, I was started receiving more than I could ever expect for my life. And, uh, and I take that philosophy with me into leadership and I try to, I try to share that with the people, um, that I get the honor of leading. So that was a, that was a pretty big face down moment for me. Well, let me, let me just stay with that for a moment. And thank you, first of all, by your humanness and your honesty and your vulnerability about that. And you know that you are speaking to many people who have been through a similar kind of experience. Mm-hmm. You are not alone here. 
This is so epidemic in our world. And I say, I feel very sad when I say that. And I'm, I'm just curious about your journey from the horror and the anger, because this, you're not trying to silver line this. You are not trying to put, um, you're not, you're, you're not trying to sugarcoat the horribleness of these dark experiences that you have, that we have had, that you have had. But can you walk me through how you went from the horror and the anger and, and take me through the healing process to where you saw that as a gift? Because at the moment of the horror, you don't, you can't possibly see the gifts but oh, can, no. you, can you can you can um, you walk us through, if it's possible, in a conversation like this, how you go from the hurt and the anger and this and this self degradation and the anger toward healing and toward the the kind of person that you are today? Is it possible to build a bridge across all that? Oh, it is. It's uh, it's a very very hard road, um, and quite honestly, David, it never goes away. So you kind of like think <laughs> you've kind of dealt with it all, but think something like that just actually never leaves you, um, and you kind of always carry it with you. But um, there is a, a phase where it, like I said, uh, ruins you. <laughs> then there's a phase uh, where it helps you rise. Hmm. Um, and it takes you to a place you never thought uh, was even possible for yourself. Um, that journey, I mean, the journey is long. Uh, it was a lot of self-work, a lot of um, learning about myself um, and taking that focus um, and I think in, when I talk about the ruined phase, phase I'm, I was very focused outward. I was angry. I was angry at the world. I lost faith in humanity. I didn't believe in people. <laughs> I didn't trust people. Um, and then when I learned to reflect inward, I was able to reconcile with myself. And I was able to uh, come to an understanding within myself that... Um, even though this terrible thing happened to me, um, that was in the past. And I could now choose which road I was going to take. Um, and uh, <laughs> the bitter road seemed easier, <laughs> for sure, because I was already on it. Um, but I knew I didn't want that for myself. And I knew something inside me just told me there was a better Way. And I don't really know, so I call that, uh, you know, grace of God, if you will. I'm not a very religious person. I'm, a, I'm maybe more of a spiritual person. Um, but, uh, and then I just became very lucky. Um, so I met my husband. Uh, he walked me through so much of that healing. Um, and uh, I've had many, many people who I would say were angels in my life to come through and and just help put a hand out and carry me through those hard times. And I think that's what helped shift that belief for me, too, in people and change, change my perspective, like, like a 180. It's so wild when you think about it, right? <laughs> you can go yeah. from, yeah, just having no faith or no belief to this is, like, the most beautiful experience of my life, and I'm so grateful. So... I use the word gift, that at uh-huh. some point you see this as a gift in the light of, again, time's perspective. And as you look back, you can see that this was actually a gift. Now, I'm speaking from my own experience of having, and you know, the, the darkness of depression and addiction that I've had to face in my own life. And these uh-huh. dark moments that have helped, be it, that have been a gift to me. Is it presumptuous to call this experience that you went through a gift? Or would you use another word to describe it? Well, I mean, I like the word gift. <laughs> I feel like it's empowering. Um, 
family. Um, I think a word that I uh, have used is actually a blessing Hmm. in disguise. Um, Yeah, it's probably the most common term. I use the word gift a lot too now, for sure, and I always try to think of the gift um, in my life. And I think uh, I just I've I've come to a place of deep gratitude for everything that I have and with gratitude comes gifts (laughs) everything becomes a gift and it's such a beautiful amazing place to live so um yeah but but you can't gift it you can't gift there superficially you 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 had to go through I mean we're trying to package the you know we're we're trying to express this in a half an hour conversation in how many years are we talking about that you came to grips with this and had the courage? Because I always say, you know, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And, mm-hmm. and how do you take those dark lenses that can come out from, that can come on, that you put on in an experience like this to think the world is like this? How else can you think, see that and take those lenses off and see it, the world, with a whole different set of lenses? We're talking about years of healing, yes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking years and years and years. Um, but quite the journey, you know? I look back on it now, and I I look back on it, and my heart warms. I think of all the people I met. I think of all the experiences I've had, and I think I would not be the leader I am today without that experience. Well, this is very moving. Uh, you know, you've you got me almost in in t- tears um, because of the power of the transformational human journey and the power of courage for you to go through this. And I can't thank you enough for sharing this. Now, were there other defining moments that were integral? Also, I mean, you can't separate. I'm asking you to separate these out as though it's a as if it's some kind of a, a process or a step-by-step journey here, but I know it's a messy, organic journey, like the you know, like the growing of a forest. That's that, that you know, you get all kinds of diversity along the way. But were there other mm-hmm. defining moments that were integrated into this one, into your healing? feel like this all blends into one giant experience for me, so I'm sure, sure there were a lot. There's nothing that's actually just popping to mind right now. I mean, the only thing that's popping into my mind is, like, like our most current face-down moment, um, which I've experienced over the last year and a half. Um, my husband actually got ill, so I kind of lost the partner that we had been working in these restaurants together. Um, So that's been a very challenging uh, new set of circumstances and face-down moments. And I think um, for me, uh, what that's teaching me is that life is just always going to kind of throw these curveballs at you, but it's it's how you choose to respond um, that is the true mark of, I want to say a leader, but also a human being. You know, um, can you give us some guideposts from your learning through these experiences mm-hmm. that that you have developed a sense of? Here's some here's some key principles. Again, I don't want to project onto us a, a formula, but are there some right. key some key learnings that you've had from these? I love this notion of face down moments to take it from the face on the pavement to 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 making something worthwhile in your life that's making a difference in the world and making an impact on other people are there key principles i don't know how to even ask the question are there key learnings or guideposts that you have found along the way ally well i mean there's a zillion of them <laughs> Okay, let's see. I think that I think that for me, um, anything that happens. So one thing I learned very early on um, 
and, and really resonated with me was that anything that happens in um, leadership or uh, in the business is not necessarily personal. Mm. <laughs> now, as a woman, that was hard for me because I think I'm uh, pretty emotional. <laughs> so that was a really, really big one for me that I had to, um, yeah, like really hone in on. Um, it was, it felt like life or death sometimes situations, and I had to learn to, um, yeah, just kind of like really find a way to uh, resonate with the situation and handle it in a way that was going to be like meaningful, um, but also not bring that to the point where it was ruining me <laughs> outside of the business, right? Because um, I was so incredibly passionate about everything that happened. Um, yeah, so that was a really big one for me uh, in my early days, for sure. Um, other kind of posts. I think that's... How, let me ask you maybe a more specific question is, how do you deal with the challenge of taking care of your husband and then setting that aside and coming to work without compartmentalizing yourself? Because, you know, we this is about authenticity and it's about being real. And you, <laughs> you drag yourself to work, I'm assuming, some days after after caring for Chris... And how do you how do you bring that realness to your work um, without it bringing everybody down? Because you you use it as a way of inspiring people, but how do you keep it real without me, me having it take over your life? Oh, I just I have to listen to my heart. <laughs> I have to be compassionate and kind to myself. I have to be compassionate and com- kind to the people that are part of our team. And I think when I do that, um, and I'm honest, like I'm very, very honest if I'm having a bad day, um, but these people also help me, help rise me up. <laughs> like I don't go, so I might have a, a bad morning and I would go into work, but by the end of the day, the day I wouldn't be having a bad day um, because I would get to have those experiences that are making my life so beautiful. So, um, it's a little raw sometimes, for sure. Vulnerable. <laughs> um, but I think that that's okay. Yeah. Yes, it's vulnerable. Yeah. Can you, can you just say, I, you've actually answered this question, but do you want to say anything more about the role of vulnerability in leadership and realness in leadership? Because... The, well, I, I just, you know, it's not something that we typically hear. Well, I, I listen to my heart. What I often hear is we compartmentalize life and we push things aside. And, and I'm not hearing any of that here. You're just, no. you're, you are who you are in your personal life, in your work life, and you bring more of who you are to what you do. And that inspires, I would suggest, that would inspire your staff to give them, them permission to be who they are, and I suspect that's when you get the maximum contribution from your team. Yes, absolutely. Vulnerability, um, it's hard. <laughs> and it's, it's messy. Um, and it's kind of like what you would say about leadership is that it's rarely complete, right? You're always kind of working on that. Um, but I just try to always think about it. Um, and if you were to spend a day with me as a leader, that's something you would take away from me is that if we can be vulnerable, if we can be open, if we can be honest, if we can speak from our heart, even if that's not the easy thing (laughs) to say or do, um, we're all going to come out the other side so much better. And, and, in such a having such a better experience together than if we weren't vulnerable. If that does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Why do you think that vulnerability has been labeled as a weakness? Uh, and, and and I'm I'm just saying, I'm I, being a devil's advocate here a little bit. What what would happen if you come to your staff and just say I'm really scared today? And how do you how do you 
be real about that or I'm having a you know I'm having a shitty day today how do you be real about that and at the same time need to present this sense of stability as a leader that says you know what we got this and I got your back and you can count on me I think vulnerability has been justifiably labeled as a weakness in some degree because when we're vulnerable we're we're not stable and we have this sometimes unrealistic expectation that our leaders be a good parent for us and present all this unrealistic stability for example we just went through an election in this province and would we would we vote somebody in that led with vulnerability i mean we we tend to look at leaders who have it all who look like They've got it all together so that we can depend on them for stability. <clears throat> yeah, and I think that that is a deeply ingrained belief in society. Um, and it's, it's a challenge. It was, um, I believe that vulnerability for me growing up was not acceptable. Um, I mean, I don't want to say that it wasn't acceptable, but it, was, it wasn't talked about. So me sitting here talking about vulnerability is like wild, right? This wasn't the family that I came from. This wasn't wasn't my situation. And you talk about people labeling vulnerability as weakness. Oh, I understand. (laughs) And I've seen that and I've lived that. And um, I guess the only thing I can say to that is you need to choose if you're going to be vulnerable, who you're going to be vulnerable with. Because if you're vulnerable with somebody, I don't know if you've ever read any Brene Brown, but she would basically say if you're being vulnerable with somebody who is not in the arena with you and who is not willing to be vulnerable, they're going to take advantage of you. Mm. And people will sometimes. Um, And it's acting out of fear instead of acting out of love. And... On the other side, when you can act out of love, you can understand why people act out of fear and you can accept it. Um, But really trying to, yeah, understand who you're being vulnerable with and create that relationship with them so that it's safe, I think is extremely important. I got it. That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And you, but you... You also, what I'm hearing that then is you can't use vulnerability as a leadership technique. You can't say, well, okay, I'm going to be honest about the fact that I just came to work and had a fight with my spouse. And I'm going to come and I'm going to let all my team know because I read in the most recent leadership book that you're supposed to be vulnerable. So I'm going to let my team know that my life is falling apart. I think what you're talking about is something much, much, much deeper than that. Where you yeah, really, you you, your years of a personal work on working with this material and your pain and your challenges and coming through the other side, you have a level of self-acceptance that you can bring that sense of acceptance. And with that acceptance comes stability, that you, you're not allowing your feelings and your emotions and your your impulses to run your life you run your business and your life on very firm strong stable principles and so when you're vulnerable it doesn't take you off of that foundation i'm not i'm not sure i'm articulating that very well but that's what i'm getting from you is that accurate that is accurate yeah and i'm thinking like i'm wondering if you think that and this i'm asking your opinion on this but that if vulnerability um sometimes people think they're being vulnerable but maybe they are being a victim or maybe they are you know what i mean they're living in a different state but they think it's vulnerability but it's not and maybe that's where the confusion comes from one 100 percent 100 percent that i yeah. believe we we first of all are not well trained this is not a muscle that's well-developed, this muscle of, of vulnerability. And I take my hat off to Brene Brown because she has 
truly created an international conversation about the value of vulnerability. No question. I do believe, and if you, if you, I, I think of, I'll, I'll share myself here. Where I have, am learning, and this is a lifelong learning for me, I'm learning how to be vulnerable first in a very safe community that, have hold, that hold the space for me. Whether it's a support group, whether it's close friends, whether it's a therapist's office, where I can go and say, I'm going to practice being vulnerable here in a safe place. I think it's important not to, not to, to practice being vulnerable initially or too early if we're just learning how to be vulnerable. I don't think you want to go to work and practice with your teams how to learn to be vulnerable. I think we need to practice, just like I don't stand up in front of an audience of 500 people and say, you know, I've never been vulnerable before, so I'm going to practice with all of you. Uh, that would not be very responsible. Um, but I don't know what, would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. I would, yes. I think it's really important to, I think we need to learn what vulnerability feels like. Because it actually doesn't feel that great. <laughs> it's the result that's good. Totally. Um, it creates that like fight or flight response in you. So it's learning to recognize um, when you feel that way and how to um, make a right decision in that kind of like heightened state, right? 100%. Well, you know, I was just, <laughs> just going to say, Allie, this is so enriching. And you know what? It doesn't take us long. Like, you and I start these conversations, and they start off relatively superficial, and then we just go really pretty deep pretty quickly. And you have been amazing today in this conversation. Now, I just have to ask you, I just feel inadequate as an interviewer making sure that I'm asking you the right questions and that I'm drawing out the right wisdom from you, but you've been amazing today. Is there anything that I have not asked you that you would like to share, either lessons that you've learned, a philosophy that you have, something that you would, anything else that you would like to share with our, our listeners today that would help them on this journey of becoming a more authentic leader? Well, how about that? I'd say that, and I think these are your words, I've read them in your book, but that leadership is a journey and it's not a destination. I think that um, it's always a work in progress. Um, And I think that it's so integral that if if you want to be a leader, If you are a leader, if people chose you to be a leader, if you're in a position where people are looking up to you, um, you need to know that what you do matters. You know, everything, every decision you make matters and somebody's role modeling off of you and you have the opportunity to make the world a better place. You have an opportunity to make the next generation make the world a better place and have this like really cool ripple effect in the world. And I think that's why being a leader is so inspiring to me. There's this like uh, quote Maya Angelou said, so I'll give you one more quote today. Um, I love your quotes. I love quotes. Go ahead. (laughs) This one's probably my favorite. Um, She said something, so don't quote me exactly, something to the extent of, I've learned that people will forget what you said and people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think that that is just so integral to leadership and it's so integral to life. And that's why leading and living from my heart is so incredibly, incredibly important to me. That is so well articulated. The one principle that I that that ran through all of your experiences and your your sharing today was this notion of notion of self compassion, of self acceptance and patience with yourself, and that then would extend to others that you serve. 
Can you just finish it off by talking about anything more about the importance of self-compassion and what that actually means while you go through the face-down moments and when you go through the healing and when you start to come out the other side? How do you embrace self-compassion through that whole process? Well, I think there are moments in my life where I've been terrible to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And self-compassion, I think, is um, a lesson, a lifelong lesson, like a lifelong learning. Um, And I think maybe as I, you know, as I kind of like go through different life stages, that maybe there's different um, levels or types of uh, self-compassion that you learn for yourself or you learn that resonate with you. But it's very personal. Um, and uh, when somebody's self-compassionate or they understand the importance of even just trying to figure out what that time means for them, everything starts to become so much clearer. Because if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of anybody else. And people say that to people all the time, but it's so true. It's so true. Wow. Yeah, so caring has to come from, as I say, overflow, not emptiness, where, we, where it comes through us. Absolutely. Well, you have been amazing today. You have inspired me. I can only imagine what it would be like to work for you. Well, come on down anytime you like. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for the most uh, inspirational and stimulating and and engaging conversation and uh, thank you for making this world a better place and for all you do for the youth and for the community that you serve in okay Allie it's been a privilege thank, thank you, you so much David you bet it's been my honor